Hi, this is Bill Farmer, the voice of Goofy, and you are listening to Stories of the Magic. Welcome to Stories of the Magic, an unofficial Disney podcast with your host, Randy Crane. Hear stories from Disney cast members, Imagineers, artists, and more right here on Stories of the Magic. And now, here's your host, Randy Crane. Welcome to episode 45 of Stories of the Magic. I'm Randy, your host. Thank you for joining me. First, Happy New Year. I hope you have a blessed and prosperous 2014. Now in this episode, we begin a three-part interview with Lauren Delmont. If you're a fan of Disneyland and have a DVD player, you may have heard of Lauren and her dad, John. If not, you really should. The DVD they made, The Secret Tour of Disneyland, is a must-have and must-watch. If you've never been to the park, it's a great overview, and if you consider yourself a Disneyland expert, you'll still learn something new. But there's much more to Lauren and her connection to and interest in Disney than just that DVD. She worked at Disneyland during the 50th anniversary. She's teaching English in China with Disney, and she has had several visits over the last year to Hong Kong Disneyland, and we talk about all of it. This was my first international interview. As I mentioned, Lauren is currently in China, and I learned something new. Apparently, trying to use Skype at mid-morning on a weekday in China means that the internet connection isn't the best sometimes. The audio quality held up pretty well, but there are some places where it did drop out. Quite honestly, it came out better than I thought it was going to, but there's still some glitches here and there. We tried to take care of of as much of it as we could, and I edited around more of it, but there's still a few places where it distorts a little or drops out, or both, and a few stray sounds toward the end of part one here. Hopefully I've minimized it enough that it won't be distracting, but I wanted to make sure you knew what was going on if you do notice it. So in this episode, Lauren talks about her first job, ever, anywhere, working at Disneyland in foods, how she got involved with Disney English in China, what Disney English is, its similarity and differences to traditional English as a second language programs, how kids get into the program, how her college major, which wasn't teaching, prepared her to teach in this program, what she loved most about what she did while she was working at Disneyland, what she loves most about what she does now, what it's like teaching English in a country where she's not a speaker of their native language, more about what makes the Disney program unique, where Disney gets the teachers for this program from, a little about her two Disney Traditions classes, one at Disneyland, one for the Disney English program, and the differences between them. Sometimes in both Disney jobs where she remembers thinking, I'm doing something really special. Why they stopped giving her the job of closing the line of the little ice cream shop across Main Street from the Gibson Girl in Disneyland. And how she deals with rough days for herself and for the kids. After the interview segment, I'll play the audio for you from one of the YouTube clips for The Secret Tour of Disneyland. First, a brief word from a fellow podcaster and friend, and then it's time to turn the page and begin this story. My name is Al. And I'm Joyce. And we're We're huge huge Disneyland Disneyland fans. fans. 
In fact, we love the Disneyland Resort so much, we host a podcast dedicated to the happiest place on earth to share that passion with others. That's right. On our show, Tales from the Mouse House Disneyland Podcast, we share current resort news, some tips and tricks we've learned over the years to help make your Disneyland Resort vacation the most magical experience ever. We uncover little-known and often-overlooked gems we like to call hidden treasures and even review the attractions and places to eat that make the Disneyland Resort so much fun. And if that wasn't enough, we even share some video episodes to help keep you in that Disney magic state of mind. If you're a longtime fan of the Disneyland Resort or you've just recently discovered the magic, this podcast is for you. You can find Tales from the Mouse House Disneyland Podcast at www. Talescast.com and in iTunes. And remember, make, make it, it a, a Mickey, Mickey day. day. And now, this week's interview on Stories of the Magic. So far on Stories of the Magic, I've talked to, among others, former Disneyland cast members, Disney podcasters, and Disney bloggers but so far no one who was a Disneyland cast member, now teaches English with Disney in China, and has made a DVD about Disneyland. Well, today, that changes. Lauren Delmont worked at Disneyland during its 50th anniversary, and has been in China for about nine months as of this recording, teaching English with Disney. Also, she and her dad, John, created a DVD called The Secret Tour of Disneyland, which is a great, fun-filled trip showing you many of the little-known things to see and do at Disneyland. It's got trivia, history, interviews, tons of seldom-seen archival photos. This has been a valuable resource for me, and it's incredibly enjoyable to watch. Now, obviously, we have a lot of ground to cover today, so let's dive in. Lauren, welcome to Stories of the Magic. Thank you for having me. <laughs> My pleasure. So tell me how you got started at Disneyland and what you did there. Um, well, I actually grew up just 15 minutes away from the park, so I knew that I wanted to work there at some point. And when I turned 17, I decided to apply there as a summer job, and it was actually my first job. Um, and since I was only 17, the only thing that I could do was work in the foods department. But it was a lot of fun, and yeah, like I said, it was during the 50th anniversary, so... <laughs> Right. So 15 minutes away. I'm not much farther than that yeah. right now. So are you in like Garden Grove, Santa Ana, Orange? Westminster. <laughs> Westminster. Okay. I would have gotten there eventually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I drive fast on the freeway. Technically, it probably should take me 20 minutes to get there. But <laughs> <laughs> we won't tell anybody. Exactly. <laughs> so you worked in foods, a uh, particular store, outdoor vending, I was mainly situated at the Taste Pilot Grill in California Adventure, but I was only there probably three days during the week, and then the other four days they sent me wherever they needed me. <laughs> and yeah, because it was the 50th anniversary, there was a lot going on, so I'm pretty sure I worked at every restaurant in Disneyland and California Adventure at some point during that summer, <laughs> which was fun because I got to change costumes every day and would show nice. them, yeah, my little taste pilot outfit, and then they'd say, okay, go to costuming, and now you're going to be working at the Bear Grill. Or <laughs> <laughs> so did you have a favorite restaurant that you worked? Um, my favorite was probably when I got to work at the Gibson Girl Ice Cream Parlor. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. That was a good day. That was actually on 4th of July, and I got to work there, so... It was busy and crazy, but it was a lot of fun, and everyone there was really nice and helpful. <laughs> That's good. 
<laughs> uh, so did you just work for Disneyland that one summer or did it go beyond that? Um, it was actually, yeah, just that one summer because I was there six to seven days a week. And that was the summer between my um, junior and senior year of high school. So once it got to September, it was just too much for me to be doing my senior year and also <laughs> working there. But um, yeah, so it was just for those three months. <laughs> Yeah, I would imagine that would be difficult. <laughs> you worked for Disneyland for that first three for that three months first job, and then went to school, graduated, and then I assume you went to college and moved away. So that's maybe why you didn't continue working at Disneyland or try to go back. Yeah, to Yeah, that's the main thing. Was yeah, I was focusing on education, and I ended up going to the University of California in Santa Barbara. So. My 15-minute drive to Disneyland turned into a two-hour and 15-minute drive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose that really wouldn't have been worth the drive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, then how did you go from that? Because that, that was 05, was the 50th. So, you know, and now you're working for Disney in China teaching English. How did you get into that? Um, well, I had finished college, and after that, we stayed in Santa Barbara for another two years. And then ended up moving to Los Angeles area and didn't really like L.A. <laughs> so <laughs> I started looking into, again, working. And I was considering applying at Disneyland and moving closer to maybe the Anaheim area. And then while I was looking online, I ran into the Disney English in China and had no idea it even existed before that. <laughs> and I love to travel and it sounded like a good opportunity and... I didn't really have any big life obligations at the time, so I figured it was as good as time as any to yeah, pack up and move halfway around the world. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Now, I can't be the only one that has not heard of this uh, you know, Disney English yeah. thing. What is it exactly? Um, well, it's an English language program that yeah, is completely designed by a team in Burbank, but it is a Disney program, and we use um, just different Disney movies and things like that. But they add, like, <laughs> different English lessons into it. And it started in 2008 and started with just one center in Shanghai. And now they have hundreds of centers all over China. And where I'm at is Hangzhou, so I'm in one of the satellite cities. And, yeah, we have two centers in our city and basically, yeah, it's just teaching kids English, but with a Disney twist. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, so I've, I'm kind of familiar, at least a little bit, with like English as a second language programs in the U.S. Uh, uh, is this like the same kind of thing, but in China, teaching English as a second language? Kind of thing, but yeah, since it's Disney, it's definitely more magical, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we still, yeah, have all the Disney regular cast member guidelines. We are cast members. We have the whole backstage area still. We keep the magic up in the classroom, but we do use a lot more technology than a lot of other English language programs in China. We have um, interactive whiteboards in the classroom. And so every lesson, there's a song that goes with it that the team in Burbank creates. And there's, like I said, they use... There's always different characters that are the theme of the lesson. So, for example, like they'll use all the characters for Snow White and we'll be learning about um, 
just, how are you? I'm fine. But it'll have those characters up on the board and be talking about them. Like Snow White says hello to the dwarfs and asks them, how are you? And <laughs> things like that. But yeah, they use all the Disney characters, all the Pixar characters, um, lots of different, they call it realia. So different objects and toys and things like that. And it's a lot of fun. <laughs> Wow. So is it geared mainly uh, for kids, adults? Is it a mix? Um, it's uh, just kids, ages 2 through 12. Okay. Uh, so, and I'm not sure if you know the answer to this, but how do they get into that program? Like, what what leads them to that? Just something that they want to do? or? Yeah, basically, um, they advertise a lot all over the cities, wherever the centers are. And then, yeah, anybody basically has enough money to join the program can join. <laughs> okay. It's kind of, it's a little bit more expensive than um, some of the other English language programs that are offered in China. But if, yeah, if parents are willing to pay the higher price and their kids are going to get a better, more fun experience, I guess. <laughs> huh. Wow. Yeah. So how long is a program for them? Um, all the kids come either... They're there for two hours, basically. So they either come for one two-hour block on the weekend, or they can come for one hour on two separate days spread out during the week. And then is there like a fixed start and end date for it? Like there, it's a six-month program? Um, it, well, they have program? a one-year contract that they sign. And then if they decide they like the program, then they can sign another contract. Because basically the lowest level, it starts with the two-year-olds. And then it goes up in levels that take about a year for each level. So from two-year-olds, which is called Hello World, and then the next level is the three-year-olds, which is the F1 classes, and those are going to take a year. And then from that, they can graduate up into F2, and then eventually, yeah, it gets into the older kids who are 11 and 12, and we're focusing more on helping them um, learning how to read and write in English, as well as speaking and doing more complex sentence structures. Wow. Yeah, okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> and which of these levels do you teach? Um, I actually teach basically I have nine classes right now. And so I have all the way from I have one of the two year old classes and they're super cute. And then um, <laughs> I have all the way up until, yeah, the 11 year olds. And they're a lot of fun because you can communicate th with them a lot more. So. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> did, did you go to school for teaching or had you ever taught before you started doing this? Um, I did teach at an after-school program when I was in Santa Barbara for the two years after I graduated. I majored in theater, so. <laughs> okay. Not education, but I've always loved working with kids and always did um, summer camps and things like that as a counselor when I was growing up. And yeah, Disney just requires you to have had some sort of teaching experience for two years post-graduating college. And then, yeah, just the ability to kind of <laughs> present the content that they have. They basically plan everything for you. And there's teacher's guides that they give you and that go through the entire lesson and tell you what you're supposed to do with the whole interactive whiteboard and <laughs> everything else. And then, yeah, you just have to be a good teacher, I guess, to get the kids to say the language. And we use a lot of um, repetition and chants and things like that to get it to stick in their heads. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so you ended up with exactly the right amount of experience to to move into this. Nice. Exactly. Yeah. I had actually looked into applying the year before, but unfortunately I was only one year out of college then, so I had to wait the year and then I was like, all right, now I can do this. <laughs>
Okay. Nice. <laughs> so, but you originally got a theater degree. So this is kind of unrelated to Disney, but what were you, did you have a plan on what you were originally going to do with the theater degree um, or not really? <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> I, yeah, I was one of those that was undeclared my first two years and really wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And I took a theater class and it was my favorite class that I had taken while at university. And then thought, might as well major in this. <laughs> so that's what I got my degree in, and yeah, it was a lot of fun. And like I said, it ended up being great for what I'm doing now because you do have to do a lot of theater when you're working with kids and <laughs> getting them to be interested in it, especially when it's a second language. And <laughs> it worked out well. <laughs> Good. Um, so back during that three-month period where you worked at Disneyland, mm-hmm. uh, what did you love most about that? Um, just getting to meet so many different people every day, because like I said, I moved around a lot. So every day I'd be going to a new restaurant and I was working with different cast members and that was great. And also because it was the 50th anniversary, there were people coming from all over the world. And so that was also really fun, just getting to meet people from everywhere. And like I said, I love to travel. So I love talking to them and asking them about where they were from and hopefully making plans to go there someday. (laughs) Right. Do you think you would have enjoyed it as much if you'd been there, say, two years before, two years after, where there wasn't as much going on and you didn't get shuttled from, you know, location to location? Um, You were kind of just more in one spot? I think I probably would have, just because, yeah, grew up at Disneyland, basically. It's my second home, and (laughs) I've had a pass since I was old enough to have one, and... (laughs) Just love being there and love going there and love the energy that Disneyland has. So I think, yeah, I'm possibly considering when I get back from China, applying at Disneyland and continuing with them. Um, how much longer do you have there in China? I am here until April. So okay. still another was four months, I think. But About yeah, that, yeah. it's amazing how quickly it's gone by. Like when I first accepted the position, I my whole family thought I was crazy accepting to go to a country I've never been to before for 14 months. And especially with all the stigma that surrounds China in the U S but um, yeah, it's been a great experience and everyone here is yeah, very friendly and very helpful. And it's um, just an interesting experience teaching English, but then at the same time being in a country where I don't speak their native language. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I'll get frustrated with my kids, like, why aren't you getting this? And then as soon as I step out of the classroom and I'm in China, I'm like, oh, wait, that's right. I can't even order like at a restaurant. (laughs) (laughs) I understand now. I've been here nine months and my Chinese is so minimal that (laughs) I have a hard time learning your second language. (laughs) Sure. Um, Is there any chance that you might renew for another contract for another 12 or 14 months or whatever or are you definitely um i'm yeah i think i'm definitely coming back i would love to but unfortunately my family would kill me (laughs) (laughs) not saying actually came here with me so yeah i think he would kill me too if (laughs) i told him we were going to be in china for another year but yeah like i said it's been a great experience and i really am enjoying my time here but yeah, I would like to go back to the U.S. and stay situated there for another year. But um, I hear talk that they're considering possibly opening centers in South America next. So if that happens, then I would consider. 
<laughs> rejoining if I was going to Brazil or somewhere there. <laughs> Right. Yeah, I was just going to ask if they have these centers in any countries other than China. Not yet. Yeah. Right now it's just China, but there's still um, it's still a very young franchise because it only started yeah five years ago. So they've been doing a great job here, and um, there is a very big market for it in China because everyone here is wanting to learn how to speak English and wanting their kids to speak English. So it's yeah very viable, and there's so many people here and. <laughs> Right. So it makes it easy for them to sign up, and they're willing to spend the money on their kids because they do have the whole one-child policy. So they have that one child, and they're taking English lessons, and they're taking piano classes, and they're taking science classes on the weekends, and math classes. And <laughs> wow. Lots <laughs> of pressure on the poor kids, but. <laughs> Yeah, but at least taking English classes at the center there, they get some Disney as part of it. So exactly. there's a little bit more kid. In yeah, it. that's what they're always telling us too. Like the parents are always telling us that they love us more than they love their teachers in school because their teachers at school are so strict. And <laughs> we always yeah try to have fun with them and try to make sure that they have a good time while they're still learning something. <laughs> right. Um, have you had any students that? stand out to you as particular favorites or uh, your ones that you know you got to kind of witness a breakthrough in, in their language development or anything like that yeah definitely um pretty much yeah in every class there are the favorites <laughs> you can't tell them <laughs> that and you can't treat them that way but yeah no I definitely have um favorites in all my classes just kids mostly that are yeah just really excited to be there and you can tell that this is like the highlight of their week getting to come here because most of them yeah of course have never been to Disneyland before and they may have seen the movies and everything but getting to actually experience that magic and getting to come to the center because the centers are designed as you would expect Disney would design an English language center so all the classrooms have a different theme so I'm in the pride land so my classroom has Lion King everywhere and then there's also a Snow White classroom and a Cars classroom and <laughs> things like that. So it's, yeah, just getting to have those kids that you can tell just really appreciate the experience and really have a lot of fun with it and just love being there. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I'd almost want to you know, take a, some kind of second language class if Disney had something like that near me just because that sounds like so much it fun. It is. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of fun and yeah no, it's it's great and it's great yeah be, getting to be a part of it especially like I said when the company is still so young and they're still open to ideas and suggestions and they want a lot of feedback from the teachers about what's working and what's not working because like I said all the content is designed by a team in Burbank who has never actually been to China and has never actually <laughs> been in the classroom <laughs> with these kids and seen how yeah the content <laughs> works on them so anytime yeah there's like something that comes up where it's like that just did not work and <laughs> we need to fix that because <laughs> right um, now for your fellow teachers are most of them from southern california or uh from near one of the disney parks um, uh, well, from the u.s they're or? actually from all over the place. When I arrived, I was actually on a plane with five other girls from Southern California who were coming to China, and we had no idea. They didn't tell us. <laughs> so we arrived at the <laughs> airport, and it wasn't until we were all picking up our little 
bags that had the Disney luggage tags on them that were like, hey, <laughs> you're here for Disney too. But um, yeah, at my center, we actually have a quite a diverse group. We have two girls from South Africa, um, a guy from Colorado, a guy from New York, a girl from England. So it can be anyone from any English-speaking country where English was their first language. Huh. Wow. Yeah, so okay. It's diverse. <laughs> yeah. So since you said that it's Disney and you guys are considered cast members and everything, was there like a Disney traditions class like there um, is at the parks? Yep. Um, when we first arrived in China, our first two weeks was called onboarding. And yeah, we went through the traditions that you would do at Disneyland if you were hired as a cast member. But we also, yeah, obviously had some other things to go through because they had to take us around China and tell us how to get our bank cards and how to get um, our visas and our passports and everything like that. And there was a medical check that was required if you're going to be in China for over six months and <laughs> just things that, yeah, you wouldn't encounter as a cast member at Disneyland. But <laughs> Right. <laughs> they make you hand over a lot, exactly. but probably not your passport as a cast yes. member at Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> so since that means then you went through traditions twice, once at Disneyland and once there, was it pretty much the same class or did they adapt it to such a different environment? Um, it was pretty much the same basic traditions class, but um, the training itself was, yeah, very centered towards the program here and just making sure that we understood how the classes ran and how to plan the lessons and how to interact with the kids and things like that. But um, yeah, we did have the same basic traditions, PowerPoint presentation and all that. <laughs> we didn't get greeted by Mickey Mouse, but... <laughs> I was just going to ask. Uh, <laughs> there was no Mickey, but... <laughs> oh. <laughs> but you still got name tags, still, right? Yeah, we still got the name tags and everything. And also <laughs> okay. um, have the silver cast member passes. And I've actually taken advantage of mine a few times and gone to Hong Kong, so... <laughs> I got to go to the nice. Disneyland there, and then I came home in August to visit my family and took them all to Disneyland several times in my two weeks at home. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, speaking of getting the name tag, because you grew up right there not far from Disneyland and it was kind of always just a part of your time growing up, do you remember getting your name tag that first time? I do, and I actually still have it. <laughs> <laughs> I know we were supposed to give it back, but <laughs> we won't tell. No, but yeah, I do remember getting it, and yeah, just I don't know. It was really exciting for me, especially because it was my first job and getting to go through all the traditions and everything. And I remember thinking to myself, like, if I get another job after this, it's not going to be the same. <laughs> and, <laughs> and were you right about that? I was that? right about that. <laughs> I, just, I remember my next job interview after Disney, I was like, oh, this isn't fun. And <laughs> where's the magic? And <laughs> yeah, I've completed my training. Where's Mickey exactly. Mouse? Exactly, where's Mickey Come Mouse? <laughs> <laughs> Again, since we're right there on the subject of that uh, that summer that you worked at Disneyland, while you were working there, do you remember a time where you thought, you know what, I'm doing something really special here? Oh, yeah. Lots of times. Um, just every time that, yeah, I could help somebody out or maybe make their day a little bit better. I was really bad because when I worked um, a few times at the ice times, they would have me go across the street to the smaller ice cream stand and close the line. 
So I would have to like stand mm-hmm. at the back of the line and make sure nobody else got into it and tell them, I'm sorry, we're closing. And they only gave me that job a few times before they realized I was a total pushover. Because <laughs> there would always be somebody that would come up and you tell them like, oh, I'm sorry, we're like closed for the night. And they'd be like, oh, please, my girlfriend, I told her I'd go to the ice cream and <laughs> she'll be so sad. And I'd be like, okay, or my daughter, she's only five and look at her face. And <laughs> I'd be like, all right, go ahead. And <laughs> We've been here all day, yeah, and exactly. we just want to get ice cream before we leave. This is our one chance. Yeah, and... so, just things like that, or um, a lot of times when I was working at the Taste Pilots Grill, I had the job of basically just talking to the customers and distracting them while they waited for their food to come out, and then eventually, yeah, getting them their food. And I just, yeah, I remember always having a really fun time with that and getting to talk to them and find out where they were from and if it was their birthday, wishing them a happy birthday and maybe giving them something special for that and <laughs> just things like that. And yeah, trying to make their day better. If they were having a bad day at Disneyland, trying to give them suggestions of things they could do to make it go a little bit smoother and <laughs> not have to wait in line as long. <laughs> right. It sounds like you'd be a natural at that sort of yes, job. Yes, it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, like I said, probably when I get back from China, I'll reapply as a cast member and I'm considering trying to become a plaid. <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah. I, I have a couple of friends who are doing that now and a couple more who used to and every single one of them loves yeah. it. So. <laughs> I think I would like it, especially yeah, after the um, DVD and getting to do the unofficial tour of Disneyland. <laughs> I would right. considered it. <laughs> Just have to be careful that as you're giving official tours, you're not like, now I'm not supposed to say exactly. this part, but <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> kind of like I, I interviewed uh, a former Jungle Cruise skipper named Kyle, and he said that the worst compliment that a Jungle Cruise skipper can get is if someone goes to City Hall and says, I just had the best skipper ever. I'd never heard any of those jokes before. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it takes about an hour for you to get called and say, what jokes were you yeah. telling exactly? You know, same kind of thing as a plaid. You, know. you don't really want him to go to guest relations after this. That was the best. I heard stories I had never heard on any other tour. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, now, have you had a similar time, especially like a first time like you did at Disneyland where you're like, I am doing something really special here doing what you're doing now? Um, yeah, definitely. Pretty much every day there's some sort of experience with the kids where, yeah, like you said, they have a breakthrough moment where they finally start getting the language and they always, yeah, like I said, get so excited when they come and we go by first name basis at the center. It's not like they call you by your last name like they would their teacher at school. So they get really excited just showing up and like, Lauren, 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 like you're here. And, <laughs> and yeah, just hearing the stories about I was actually sick a few weeks ago and didn't come. And we have a partner in the classroom with us who speaks Chinese and English. And they're called our learning partner. And yeah, she was telling me that the kids were so sad and that a a kid in every single one of my classes cried because I wasn't there and they were so upset about it. (laughs) So just hearing things like that and that, yeah, you can tell that you are making a difference. And like I said, most of the kids, this is their first real Disney experience and just being able to be a part of that and just being able to be that thing that's making them excited to start speaking English and hopefully will inspire them to maybe uh, go to America someday or go to another country and be able to use that skill. So yeah, it's a great job. (laughs) 
Yeah, it sounds like it. I'm going to miss it. Yeah, I, I'm sure. In the time you've been there, have you had any students that started out either really having a lot of difficulty or maybe just not even really wanting to do it, but kind of like, oh, my parents are making me do this, and they've come around? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, especially, too, it's great to see the younger kids because, like I said, I worked with the two-year-olds and the three-year-olds and just seeing them make the transition because when they're only three, like, they're basically just learning their first language. <laughs> Just started speaking Chinese like two years before and um, just being able to see them grow and go from being so scared to be there because a lot of the times, yeah, this is their first time seeing foreigners. And so they'll, mm-hmm. they'll show up at the center at first and come into your class and they're just crying the whole time because it's a new environment and they don't understand why they're there and what's happening. And it was especially when you're teaching them the colors, it's so confusing for them because, like I said, they're just learning the colors in Chinese, and now you're telling them this is red, this is in Hongsuda, and like, <laughs> <laughs> so it can be overwhelming for them. But yeah, since I've been here nine months, I've been able to see those kids that started out um, being scared and confused and everything, and now they come and, like I said, they're just so excited to be there and excited to see you and excited to start speaking English and want to like see what the lesson has in store for them and everything. And yeah, it's great. <laughs> I'm sure it's different for a lot of kids, but have you noticed like a certain lesson or something that kind of helps them kind of make that transition uh, or that, you know, the kind of a light comes on or something is maybe it's like, they get to see their favorite character in a lesson. Yeah. Or... Um, yeah. Every six weeks, the characters are different for the lesson. So that does happen sometimes where they don't have any interest and all of a sudden it's like, oh, Lightning McQueen is up there now. and <laughs> I want to say what he's saying and I want to do what he's doing and everything. And um, the main thing that, yeah, usually makes it click with the kids is just that showing them that English can be fun because a lot of them, have been to other English centers before they're learning English in school and it's not something they enjoy learning but then when they come to the center and just being able to show them that it is fun and it is is exciting and um, just the songs a lot of times will help them a lot (laughs) because yeah we have a song for every lesson so sometimes it's just a song that they really enjoy singing and that gets them excited about it or (laughs) things like that and just Um, Hmm. also yeah just making the lessons as fun as possible like with my older kids especially they really enjoy as much fun as you can make the lesson I was teaching them clean and dirty the other day and so I gave them all pieces of paper and let them rip up it and throw it all over the room and push over chairs and (laughs) make the classroom a mess and we're like dirty 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 and then yeah then they have like okay let's be clean now and then they had fun yeah cleaning everything up and just making moments like that where it's a memory that will stick in their head that they can like associate with the language sure that kind of hands-on stuff must be a lot of fun no matter what subject you're learning (laughs) it is that yeah that lesson for them because yeah we had clean and dirty and then wet and dry in the same lesson (laughs) (laughs) They also got to play with water and splash each other and then (laughs) wipe it all off. (laughs) (laughs) I imagine it takes more time to go from wet to dry than it does to go from dirty to clean. Yes, it does. (laughs) 
Now we're going to teach you not as wet. Exactly. Now I'm sure you have a rough day here and there. How do you deal with that? Um. Yeah, we do. It's yeah, just remembering yeah why you're here, especially too just being in China and like I said, the language barrier can sometimes get frustrating and sometimes the kids are having a rough day, so you're having a rough day because, and then yeah, I just have to remind myself that they've been in school all day because we are an after-school program and <laughs> I remember that they go to school for nine or ten hours during the day that they're learning all these other things so that I can't get frustrated when they come and they just don't want to listen and <laughs> yeah. so yeah it's basically yeah just reminding yourself like why you're doing what you're doing and also yeah trying to put yourself into their situation and remembering how much pressure is on them to like be successful from their schools and from their parents and everything and that's the times when yeah I do try to kind of go away from the lesson plan if it's something that's not interesting them and try to make it more fun like throwing paper around the room <laughs> just thinking of some other way to make it yeah more accessible and more exciting and <laughs> not just sitting in their chairs and yeah repeating the language right so was the tearing up the paper and throwing it around the room was that your idea or was that part of the curriculum you'd been given? that was my idea <laughs> Nice. <laughs> and have you submitted that to them as feedback of, hey, this is something that I tried that worked really well? I have, actually. And, um, we are going to be having somebody come next week, I think, who's going to be talking to us about yeah suggestions that we have. So I'm going to tell them that one then. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I hope they incorporated it. It sounds like it worked really it did, well. It did. And yeah, like I said, it was fun. and. <laughs> <laughs> no, I hadn't thought about it, but you said that this is an after-school program, so you generally work like afternoons and evenings? Yes. Is that uh, how that works? It's an after-school program, so my day doesn't start until 1.30 is when I arrive at the center, and then our classes don't start until 4.30, which is when most of the kids are getting out of school. But again, they're there from like 7.30 in the morning until 4.30 in the afternoon, which is much longer than a... <laughs> typical American school day. Uh, yeah. So yeah, so they're coming basically directly from school to our center. The poor things have just been in school all day and now they're here, but trying to make it, yeah, again, as much fun for them as possible and try to make it seem as far apart from their normal school as possible. Um, so yeah, they come at 4.30 to 5.30 and then we have lessons again from 6 to 7 and then from 7.30 to 8.30. So, again, and even kids that are three years old are coming from 7.30 to 8.30, which in the U.S. is when most three-year-olds would be in bed. <laughs> right. <laughs> but here, yeah, it's like try to get in as much as possible. So <laughs> they're still wow. awake or they'll have them take a nap at 6 o'clock at night and then they show up at our center at 7.30, sleepy-eyed and <laughs> a little disoriented. And <laughs> well, maybe they're... You know, their little conscious minds are not quite working exactly. yet, and you can get into the subconscious and get the language exactly, in there. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Whatever works. <laughs> right. We've talked quite a bit about the uh, English program and the different interactions you've had with the kids and what you've been able to do for them. And I know that your summer at Disneyland was eight years ago now. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to make you feel old, but it's okay. <laughs> uh, but from that three months or so that you were there, do you remember any 
uh, favorite stories of anything that you were able to do that made magic for a guest or even something a guest did that made magic for you? Any kind of special moments? Um, there was just, yeah, a lot of times when I would be talking and interacting with somebody and they would just say something to me like, oh, wow, like you're the first person we've talked to today that smiled so much. Thank you for that. Another window tribute can be found in Frontierland. This one's for Fess Parker, the star of Disney's Davy Crockett. The window reads, Davy Crockett, Coonskin Cap Supply Company, and is a nod to one of the biggest fads of the 1950s. In the early days, Frontierland was an untamed wilderness. Disneyland was in need of a hero, and Fess Parker came to the rescue. Davy Crockett, which aired on Walt Disney Presents, made Fess Parker an overnight sensation. He would tour the country promoting Davy Crockett, and was also heavily involved in promoting Walt's new park. Kids all over America wanted to be just like Davy Crockett. Demand was so high for the coonskin caps, the raccoon fur went from 25 cents a pound to over $8 a pound. Back in 1955, they sold $100 million worth of coonskin caps. I think I could get used to this look. Along with the coonskin caps, kids and their parents also bought up lunch boxes, cap guns, coloring books, basically anything with Davy Crockett's name on it. Disneyland even had the Crockett Museum, where well-armed kids could pose with wax figures of Fess Parker and Buddy Ebsen. The Mike Fink keelboats, which were featured on the TV show, were also added to the rivers of America. Here's one of the original Mike Fink keelboats. The ride was retired back in 1997. Davy's boat, the Bertha May, sold on eBay for $15,000. Mike Fink's boat, the Goalie Wumper, remains at Disneyland. Well, I guess if you sell that many coonskin caps, you deserve your own window. Frontierland's a big place, and we still have a lot of ground to cover. Davy Crockett was one of the good guys, but there was also a bad guy in Frontierland. His name was Black Bart. He was a gunslinger, card cheat, and all-around stinker. When he wasn't having a gunfight with Sheriff Lucky, he could be found bothering the locals. That brings us to the end of this week's show. A special thank you to Lauren Delmont for being my guest, and to you for listening. In part two, we spend a lot of time talking about the secret tour of Disneyland, and you're not going to want to miss it. Meanwhile, if you've worked for the Walt Disney Company in any capacity, and you'd like to share a positive story, email me at podcast at storiesofthemagic.com or call the listener feedback line at 734-23-STORY anytime. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, let's talk about it. If you're a Disney guest of any Disney experience, 
and had an encounter or an interaction with a cast member that made some extra Disney magic, or if you've had any special Disney experience you want to share, I'd love to hear from you, too. Again, call the listener feedback line at 734-23-STORY or email me at podcast at storiesofthemagic.com and share your experience. Subscribe to Stories of the Magic in iTunes, the Xbox Music Store, on the website, or you can hear Stories of the Magic while on the go with Stitcher Smart Radio. If you like the show, please rate and review Stories of the Magic in iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or wherever else you listen to the show and can rate it. The more reviews and ratings that the show has, the better it appears in lists and searches, so it's easier for people to find, and it really doesn't take very long to do. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, visit storiesofthemagic.com and leave a comment on the show notes for this or any episode. While you're there, check out the show notes for useful links from each episode, too. Please like the podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash storiesofthemagic. Follow the show on Twitter at twitter.com slash storiesofmagic and tweet out that you're listening. Pin it on Pinterest, plus one on Google+. Tell your friends about the show. Keep letting others know that you're listening so they can join in the magic, too. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Stories of the Magic. There will be other days and other stories. And this tale continues next time. You've been listening to Stories of the Magic with Randy Crane. If you have feedback, want to share a story of your own, or even be a guest on the show, write to Randy at podcast at storiesofthemagic.com or call our listener feedback line, 734-23-STORY. And don't forget to visit the website, storiesofthemagic.com for show notes from this and every episode and to leave your comments. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, live your dreams and make the magic in your world.